Today we're going to dive back into the wonderful world of cults and begin a two-part series on the Order of the Solar Temple. We'll start by learning the stories of the group's two leaders, Joseph DiMambro and Luke Charette. We'll look at who they were, what they believed, and how they joined forces to lead a group of followers through the apocalypse, where they determined that the only salvation was through ritualistic suicide. Looks like we've got some more wackos on our hands. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought the Order of the Solar Temple was the latest Harry Potter novel, stick around. While we're not going to discuss Hogwarts, we may talk about the warts on Mike's hog. This is Necronomapod. I think the people who claim that Dimambro was a con man are right. I think that the people who claim that Dimambro was convinced about his spiritual message are right too. Dimambro was just a kind complex personality, actually a kind of schizophrenic and disturbed personality. Uh, the major, uh, the terrible consequence of it is that he is a total loss of reality. And the dream world he elaborated was shared with several people who more and more entered into his delusions. So I don't know if I've ever, if you guys have ever noticed this or if I've ever told you guys, but um, when I text, I can't, I don't use both of my thumbs like most normal people do. For whatever reason, I can't use my left thumb to text. So I use my right thumb and my left index finger. So I'm, I'm like this. That's interesting. Yeah. Don't know why, but that's how I do it. So anyways, I recently cut the tip of my left index <laughs> finger on a can of tuna and had to put a Band-Aid on it. Well, with the Band-Aid on, I can't use that finger to text, and it has literally turned my life upside down. God damn. Like, I don't even want to get out of bed in the morning to have to deal with this issue. <laughs> Everything, because I have to use either my left thumb or my middle finger on my left hand to write these messages, takes me 20 minutes to shoot off a text. What if you train your left thumb? Is that a possibility? I've tried. I just can't get it down. I'm, I might have <clears throat> to. Maybe I'll just permanently, the Band-Aid's off now, but maybe I'll permanently keep the Band-Aid on and then just force myself to adapt. Mm. So anyways, that's what I got going on. I don't know what you guys got People going have on. quarantine issues. Mike's got a, a, a tuna can it's issue. A, it's a battle I fight every mm. day. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, sliced right the tip. If I was a guitar player, yeah. that would have thrown my whole yeah. playing off. Yeah, I just acted like I was going to send a text, and I used both thumbs. I couldn't think for a second. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so natural for everybody, yeah. but not me. I'm, I'm right thumb, left index finger to text. What about some sort of verbal dictation? Would you be open to switching to that? I do that sometimes. Yeah. If I have to write something or text something long, I'll yeah. use that or, you know, if driving or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the answer. It might be. Excuse me while I open up and take a swig of Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA available from El Segundo Brewing in <laughs> California. Hell yeah. I am an unpaid spokesman. Looks you guys are allowed to talk if you want. I mean, it's, this isn't just the Mike show. <laughs> I was mesmerized looking at the can. There. It, it looks, is a sweet-ass can. Well, you don't like IPA. No. It's a cool-looking can, though. It, it actually really is. Yeah. Look those up. I got some Fosters tonight. You're going to be having a good time. I know. Those Fosters. Big pounders. Those Australians love to drink Fosters and really have a party. Well, it's the only beer available in uh, the whole country. <laughs> oh, I know. We've well documented. Sure. Yeah. Per Necronomapod, it's the only uh, beer available in Australia. I think that's what Catherine Knight was all drunk on, or, or her boo was drunk on when she killed him. <laughs> what was his name, Ian? John Price. Uh, John Price. John Price. Oh, Pete Stewart. Trivia. <laughs> Maybe that'll be one night I'll have trivia. You two against each other. Oh. We'll see. 
winner gets to do the narrations moving forward. I don't want to do the narrations. <laughs> Ian's like, wait, you mean if Dave wins, he gets to do all the outlines? <laughs> he can win. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I'll tank that one. I'll pretend I'm you. I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> was I there for that show? Yeah. I, I, some of those hints, man, are really hard. You get the best hints in all of uh, game show history. Those trivia shows are your favorite thing I think we do. <laughs> That's fun. Available on Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash Necronomapod. I think we've done we've done two of them now, yeah, right? You're 0 and 4. Yeah. Although I scored a lot of points last time. <laughs> well, I don't know if a lot. Some. Oh, three. That's big. <laughs> That's literally triple what I got last time. That's a good point. So, well, we got something a little bit off the radar today. We haven't done a cult since what, Scientology? It's been a while. Yeah. Started back in the middle of November. Yeah, 17 episodes later, we finished that series. <laughs> I recently read that those a-holes down in Clearwater are not following quarantine guidelines. No. Of course they're not. <laughs> they got enough thetans to protect themselves from uh, from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> they're a higher level of consciousness than a simple flu, Dave. Absolutely. So, Ian, what do we got today? Tonight we are going to do part one of the Order of the Solar Temple. The Order of the Solar Temple is... It's a unique group in the world of cults because, like Heaven's Gate, it had two leaders at top. Like, if you remember, Heaven's Gate had Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. And the Solar Temple had Joseph DeMambro and Luke Jaray. However, unlike Heaven's Gate, both DeMambro and Jaray would see it until the end with mass suicides. Does the uh, People's Temple fit into this with Jim Jones and Mr. Muggs at the top there? It's a fair question. Just wondering. <laughs> I still wonder who was really calling the shots down there. Well, if it was actually Muggs. Until they blew Mr. Muggs' head off. Well, I put an end to that. Yeah. That was a shot he did not call. <laughs> or see coming. <laughs> well, that poor little monkey. If he wasn't monkeying around all the time, he might have seen the... Hey, he. I don't think he was. Remember, Jim Jones threatened to feed the kids to him. <laughs> if they kept messing with him, he's going to rip your... What did he say? You know, he'll rip your arm right off. He said, uh, Jim said he'd stick the kids' arms in it and in the cage and let mugs rip their arms off. <laughs> Oops. I'll fuck with mugs. So there's some debate out there on this group if they actually fit into the realm of a cult or if they were like this esoteric, kind of magical, uh, like mystical group that just got way out of hand. There's also debates on that they might have just been some kind of like a, a massive money laundering scheme and the cult was just like a front for it. There, there's a lot of debate about this group. But regardless, they're probably the closest thing to a proven real esoteric secret society like something from Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I love Rosemary's Baby. It's a good movie. Have you ever seen Rosemary's Baby, Mike? I have not. It's really good. Classic. Didn't they remake it? I think they remake everything nowadays. Mm, I've never seen a remake. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. What is this from, like the 70s? 69, I think. Yeah. Okay. It's a good one. Maybe we'll have to make a list of like five movies from the show that Mike has to watch, and I'll work my way through them. That's a good idea. Like I did with Breaking Bad. Okay. And I'll, like give, I'll provide reviews. I like it. There you go. Maybe that could be a Patreon thing where I just provide like a 10 to 15 minute show just for like reviewing something. That could be like my little spinoff. Hmm. I don't dislike the idea one bit. Let's yeah, proceed I with like that. It. I'll just get drunk and pontificate like I'm Jim Brockmeyer. 
DeMambro had what it took to run a cult down. Like he had this thing, he had that whole scheme locked. So he did all the behind the scenes stuff while Luke Jurey was the face. Jurey handled the recruitment and the charismatic side of things. So since DeMambro, by all accounts, was the guy really running the show, we're going to start off with him. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot known about DeMambro's early life. Like most cult leaders, he was really careful to control how he was viewed by his followers, and he hid any information about his life from the general public that would in any way contradict his claims that he was like this all-powerful, all-knowing being. That's pretty standard, right, with cults? Yeah, I mean, but it, it's weird because you can, you know, there's like Road to Jonestown, the the really good book. When we you know Jim's whole life, uh, Marshall Applewhite. There's a significant amount of information about him out there. All these guys, but this this one's weird. There's not a ton of information about this group that's that's out there, and they like they held a lot of this information close to their close to their chest. And Do you I think, think some of it might be a language barrier because there's like mm. one really really good book out there about this group, but it's in French and no one's translated it. So, hmm. do you think with like someone like Jim Jones, if I remember correctly, like from a young age he knew what he kind of wanted to do, right? So, yeah. like from a young age he was already being careful of what kind of image he was projecting, so that he didn't care if people knew about it, right? Yeah, I like think that's a I think that's a fair statement. And he Where, started real young too, Jim Jones. Yeah, so so maybe that's why you know he's he's proud to to show that off because he knew what he wanted to do from a young age and you know was careful not to have any mm. skeletons in his closet, so to speak. Because I guess the more you know about him, the kind of takes away some of the mystique. Like if you knew, you know, Billy Bob used to work at Speedway, pump, right, pumping your gas. <laughs> right. and now now he's the Messiah, you right? Know, but if you're oh, Jim really? Jones, and from the beginning you know what you want to do, you control the narrative, yeah, sure. so you're you're not taking that. That, you know, speedway job. Yeah, Jim Jim didn't get into like the mysticism aspect like like Demambro and Jure or we're gonna see that they get into. So I, I feel like it's a little different with them. Like they can't we'll see how they these two build themselves up that there's they just can't be seen as normal people at all. There's just no option to be seen as a normal human being to followers. Like Jim accomplished a lot of good things leading up to everything, so like so, like so, it makes sense what you're saying, Mike. Like he would want to show that stuff off, right? Yeah. But these two have built themselves up into be like this all-knowing, all-powerful Messiah kind of thing, and you can't really build like, a backstory for that. Yeah, because yeah, where'd you come not from? Working at the gas station. Yeah, right. right. Like you said, Dave. <laughs> that was a meteoric rise, pal. Last week you were pumping my gas. Now you're leading me out of the apocalypse. <laughs> I almost like that story better. I'd, I'd follow that one. <laughs> well, what we do know is that DeMambro was born on August 19th, 1924 in Pont-Saint-Esprit, France, that he was a jeweler by trade, and he had a son named Ellie and a daughter named Emanuela, both of whom he claimed did not have a human mother. They were born similarly, like the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus, like this kind of miracle birth. Well, but they still had to come out of someone where did the egg fertilize like yeah just i have universe. questions don't, i have questions don't, don't, don't joe <laughs> i have questions joey <laughs> the egg's gotta come from somewhere okay they hatch it like a chicken and just kind of hey maybe so that was mike's pickup line in college how do you how do you like your eggs uh scrambled poached <laughs> or fertilized <laughs> <laughs> he's not lying it worked one time 
for the Jason. record, I'm an omelet guy too. <laughs> We're going to talk eggs. I, give me an omelet. I like the what, sunny side up or whatever. Yeah, the, like runny eggs. Oh yeah, sunny me too. side. Up. Um, those yeah. are delicious. I like eggs any which way. Poached or sunny side? That's mine. You don't want to do scrambled at all? Yeah, if I'm you know want to do something real quick and easy, I prefer sunny side. Or that was my other name in college. Quick and quick easy. And easy. <laughs> quick and easy, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. I like eggs. Man, I love fucking eggs. Uh, omelets are my favorite, though. You stuff everything you can in those. I like omelets. Anyways. A little more work. Didn't think we'd be talking about eggs tonight, but... <laughs> so DeMambro started out as a follower of a new religious movement himself. From 1956 through the 1960s, he followed the Rosicrucian order. Rosicrucianism is a worldwide brotherhood that claims to uniquely possess the secret teachings of Christian Rosencruz. Uniquely. Christ- yeah, <laughs> it's very unique. Mm-hmm. Sure it is. <laughs> Christian Rosencruz was allegedly born in 1378 and lived for 106 years. According to Rosicrucianism, Christian traveled through North Africa and the Middle East in search of secret wisdom. Unfortunately, we don't know exactly what this whole secret wisdom is that he allegedly found and then taught to others because that group keeps the information very close to their vest. Well, it wouldn't be a secret if we knew, would it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very secretive organization. not worthy of knowing that. (laughs) It's easy to tell people that there's secret stuff. and like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. It's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) By definition, (laughs) asshole. I would like to know the secret of this guy living to be 106. Sure. Especially in in the 1300s. I mean, goddamn, Pally. When they were curing you with, uh, you know, cracking your head open and bleeding you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the uh, longevity rate was very long. Oh, like you were 22 was like setting records. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just needs a bleeding. <laughs> Although Christian Rosencrantz is considered by like most academic I mean, almost all academics, <laughs> academic people in the world is to be a fictional figure. Rosicrucians believe that he existed as they come to study his teachings today. And for the most part, this is just a harmless religious movement. They, it's just like the secret thing. They kind of do their own, believe their own stuff, and yeah. they don't cause problems for anybody. I think they're cool. Inside, inside knowledge. Yeah. I mean, following the teachings of fictional characters is quite common these days, as I understand. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I've just heard about it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> Demambra left the Rosicrucian order in the late 1960s, and his reasons for leaving are unknown. After leaving, Demambra started an unlicensed practice as a psychologist. He was very successful at doing this, but he was eventually found out and charged with fraud. So in 1970, Demambra left France and fled to Switzerland in order to avoid these fraud charges. Hmm, unlicensed, huh? I was thinking of starting my yeah. own unlicensed gynecology office. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> With all this quarantine stuff, everyone doesn't, you know, they want to go to a doctor's office. They're looking for quick and easy. I think you should do that. I know my way around a vagina. <laughs> just know. say, hey, we, we, we start by setting up via FaceTime. Uh, you know, just log on in. Give me a shot. I'll do a quick overview. Yeah. I'll give you my thoughts. Make some recommendations. And then, uh, you know, I'll send you a bill. I can smear the hell out of that, Pap. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ian with the delayed the delayed laugh there <laughs> oh boy hey ladies <laughs> get a commercial on cable access 
get a commercial on our show. Are you tired of your licensed gynecologist? <laughs> Does he make you follow too many rules? <laughs> I want to hear this play out. <laughs> We're going to have to write something. We're going to have to write a, a, a fake ad. I think it might be sponsoring the show next week if I had to venture a guess. <laughs> Ditch that coronavirus ad that plays in the beginning and <laughs> yeah, throw in right. your, your new gynecology business. <laughs> Itchy veg, no insurance. <laughs> FaceTime Dave. <laughs> your neighborhood gyno pal. <laughs> MD. <sighs> or whatever. Not an MD. Whatever they get. Yeah. Well, we didn't say what MD stood for. <laughs> Most devastating <laughs> cock. MDC. <laughs> we are off the rails early tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. DeMambro joined another religious movement in the 70s after, after taking off from, from the fraud charges. And this was established by a guy named Jock Brayer. According to Jock, he established the movement after he discovered an 18th century document in Paris which supposedly stated that lost Templar Knights relics were found in his family estate. Oh, it's convenient, so right? This is like National Treasure 3. <laughs> Where do you yeah. find such a document? I enjoy I enjoy those movies, by the way. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. Well, the first one. The first one, one was better. Great. first one was much better. Yeah. You're like, look at this document I found. It's amazing. And it's buried in my own yard. What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> so getting into the Templar Knights just a bit. They were an elite order of knights in the Crusades, distinguished by red crosses on their uniforms. They originated around 1118 when a group of eight knights gathered to protect pilgrims on their journey to Israel. They were legitimized by King Baldwin II of Jerusalem, who allowed them to set up their headquarters on a location sacred to Christians and Jews for being the original site of the Temple of King Solomon. Despite the fact that Brayer was never able to provide proof of the existence of these lost relics, he managed to gain a following of a good number of people, and DeMambro became one of his most devout followers. DeMambro believed Brayer when he said that the destruction of mankind was near and that only through Brayer's teachings could people survive. Proof schmoof. Sounds legitimate. <laughs> I'll buy it. Why not? From going through this, just this little bit here, we don't know why DeMambro kept leaving these groups that he kept joining, but it would, since, I mean, obviously we know he becomes a successful cult leader, you would think that it could be something like Jim Jones, where Jim would go to all these churches and just learn, and then he realized what he could do, and that might be what DeMambro did, or at least now in 1978, it might it might have hit him that he was like, oh, I can flip this and just do this myself. And he established an organization called the Golden Way in Geneva, Switzerland in 1978. So he had studied people long enough. He was charismatic enough and said, I'm going to give this a shot. What do I got to lose, right? Yeah, and we don't know it for sure. But, you, I mean, with other cult leaders, what we know about them, you could assume that that, that easily could be what happened here. So he's like, hey, I can, I can just flip this and do it myself. This organization was open to the public and was a way for people to learn about modern Templarism, the practice of following principles of the Templar Knights. The exact number of members is unknown, but former members have said that the group was small enough that they could all live together in one communal house in France. So it wasn't really, really big. I wonder what a communal house in France held at the time. Like, does that mean like a hotel 
Or does that just mean like a big house where they're just stacking? Like a little French farmhouse where you can fit five people? Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, don't that's know. interesting. Like, that could mean a couple hundred or it could mean five. Sure. I'm thinking at the height, it's like 20 people. That's, I think yeah. that's fair. It's maybe. like your local Bible study group. Yeah. So what are yeah. the principles of the Templars that they were learning about? Like, what drew them to this? Um, we're going to get into their beliefs a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how he... They mix all this stuff together, all this this Templar stuff. Um, Quit jumping ahead, Dave. Just ask him. Let him tell a story. <laughs> Calm down, man. What's your problem? <laughs> I'm inquisitive. I have an inquiring mind, Mike. I'm not content to just sit over there and drink my IPA like you. Oh, it's fucking delicious. Broken Skull IPA, El Segundo Brewing. <laughs> Is this going to be the new Blue Chew? You're well, you know what? It might be because Blue Chew wants nothing to do with us, which breaks my heart it and does. my cock. <laughs> so I'm going to start pushing this El Segundo, which is now I believe it's in a lot of states, but you can only find it at more of those. The uh, the stores that sell like, you know, have quite a selection of craft brews. You're not going to find it at every beer stop, yeah. but I highly recommend it if you're an IPA fan. Just a very basic, good, traditional IPA. Take it from Mike and his wet noodle with no blue chew. Right. It's good beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my noodle might be dead, but my liver is partying the night. <laughs> Thanks, El Segundo. Demambra led his members through esoteric ceremonies where he would dress up in a glittery gold cape and setting up images of red crosses to symbolize the Templars and conjured mystical images of the ascended masters. And we'll get into the, the Ascended Masters and all this, but these mystical images were actually just holograms, like just a projection that were ran by one of his followers, Tony Dutois. <laughs> so these people it, thought it, they it, were actual the masters coming <laughs> into the room. This guy's a projector in the back of the room. Yeah, but Ge- we're, we're gonna, <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get into the the hologram or the projections, the holograms, the lasers, all that shit in a little bit here. But it started way back when the Golden Way was was uh, was going. Mm. Big fan of that. T- Tony Dutois. Big fan of that name, by the way. Tony Dutois. Dutois? I like that. Dutois. I'm a big fan. Is it hard to make holograms? Can you buy hologram machines? Like if I wanted to project a holographic Jesus on my front lawn at night? Like, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Could I do that? I don't know how that works, man. Hmm. Like up on a big cross for Easter? Oh, boy. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh, boy. Until people walk by and Dave has it flipped upside down. <laughs> Despite DeMambro's ability to lead a small group of followers, he wasn't able to attract the large numbers that you would need to really successfully run a cult. It wasn't until he met Luke Jeray that he was able to become truly a, a really effective cult leader. Luc Jarret was the co-founder of the Order of the Solar Temple, was born in Belgian Congo, Africa on October 18, 1947. During his college years, he joined the Walloon Communist Youth, which is also uh, tied to neo-Nazis, and this resulted in the police placing him under surveillance. He graduated with a medical degree in 1974. Two years after graduation in 1976, he joined the Belgian army and became a paratrooper. Following his time in the army, he began a formal study of homeopathy and qualified as a homeopathic practitioner in France. And once he got this, he traveled 
all over the place, studying various forms of alternative and spiritual healing. So, so he's, like, he's like Ernest Angley. Yeah. He can heal. It's a pseudoscience nonsense. Yeah, this is like... Um, so the other guy's a fake psychologist, and this guy's a pseudoscience. Yeah. So why can't you be a fake gynecologist, Dave? Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. I can, and I will. <laughs> ask the, ask uh, Steve Jobs about homeopathy when he got pancreatic cancer and that clean eating that did not end up saving him. Is that what he did? All kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, then he, then he, if I, I don't know if this is a meme or not, but didn't he believe that avocados had a, an important thing in curing cancer? Yeah, that sounds right. Something like that. And he waited like nine yeah. months to get the tumor removed and uh, mm. surprise, it didn't work. Yeah, spoiler alert. Just avocados smart don't cure too. cancer. Yeah. Ian, did you say avocados? Yeah, avocados. Isn't it avocados? Not if you're from Ian's hometown, it's not. It's avocado. He's over here saying avocado. Not with that Pittsburgh accent, it's not avocado. (laughs) Oh, I've I've never heard him like say (laughs) words differently like that before. That was the first time, at least that I've caught it. Oh, he does all the time. Does he? Oh yeah. What else? I love how Dave notices and judges us on this shit, (laughs) but doesn't bring it up. I just noticed though. Avocado. What else? Next time he does it, bring it up. He's got a lot of Pittsburgh pronunciations. You just gotta listen to it. What's a proven fact? Pittsburgh sucks. <laughs> I like Pittsburgh. All right. I actually do like Pittsburgh. It's a fun town. I don't like their rapey quarterback, but. <laughs> or their shitty football team. All right. Did you guys see that? <laughs> we can't even go down that road. We can't even go down that road. <laughs> Did you guys see that uh, Tom Brady's management company trademarked the term Tampa Bay? Oh, boy. I, I fucking love it. I want a shirt, Tampa Bay. Jeez. What a douche. That Dude, is ridiculous. Stop it. The greatest of all time. Ugh, puke. I can't wait till Tampa Bay wins wins the Super Bowl. Oh, that's gonna be a party. Or excuse me, when Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan oh now. Oh my god. Any hoodles. Ian's so, ignoring our football talk. He wants no part of this. <laughs> no, I'm trying not to continue it because I went I had some some hot takes on Tampa Bay, but I'm not even doing it. I'm, I'm not turning this into a sports podcast. <laughs> So as far as him traveling around and studying this holistic homeopathy kind of stuff, it's known that he visited the Philippines in 1977, and he later stated that he had visited China, Peru, and India. At the beginning of the 1980s, he settled in Annecy, France, not far from the Swiss border, and began to practice homeopathy there. Jure would give lectures regarding homeopathy and his holistic ideas. By 1983, DeMambro's Golden Way organization had been in operation for five years and wasn't growing nor near the rate that he had hoped. Jure's lectures attracted large numbers of people, and this caught DeMambro's attention, so he invited Jure to come speak at the Golden Way. Because this is, at this time, too, this is kind of what Jure would do, is he wasn't building his own organization. He was just going to all these little... So these little movements, these groups like the Golden Way, and would just do lectures for them. So it's just like you pay him, he comes, hypes you up, gets you an audience, and then goes about his way. Yeah, pretty much. That's not a bad gig. So he wasn't at this time looking to start his own kind of organization or cult. He's just making a buck off of these other places. Helping other people yeah. prey off <laughs> individuals. Yeah, right. Is there any, why was DeMambro's D- like failing with the Golden Way? Was there any word about like why it wasn't catching on? What was he doing? What were their beliefs? He's just not charismatic. DeMambro didn't have that that kind of awe. That Jim Jones quality of captivating right, where people, people. Yeah, where people talked to Jim and it was like 
you're talking to a very important person right now, mm-hmm. and he made you feel important, and Demambro just didn't have that. So he's more of a back office guy with the ideas. He needs a front man. Right. Exactly. It almost sounds like these two would make a good team. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> Is it true that the original name was the Golden Shower Way, and he kind of shortened that up uh, <laughs> after he hired a PR firm, and he's like, eh, it's not really a great name. <laughs> Maybe that's why people weren't showing up. I don't want to get fucking pissed on. <laughs> guy talking about <laughs> the two of them the first time Jure came to speak the two of them just connected immediately because of their similar views on science and spirituality because Rosh the Christianism from the little that we know about it brings in a lot of science it's pseudoscience still but they bring in mm-hmm. scientific stuff the Templarism stuff brings in science not real science but still brings in science and so these two just clicked like ancient aliens type science uh, sure. We could, yeah, we could say, we could. I'm gen- generalizing, that. but you know, the kind <laughs> yeah. of science people that are on ancient aliens. You threw Ian no for a loop with that one. <laughs> also in that same year, Demambro introduced Jure to a guy named Julian Oregas, who is the leader of the renovated order of the temple, which was another Templar organization. Because there's a lot of these Templar things kicking off at this time. I had no idea there were so many Templar organizations. Yes, seriously. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We should start one. I'm down. Why not? Fake gyno exams and uh, whatever (laughs) else we can come up with. (laughs) Julian was a neo-Nazi himself. So him and Jure clicked immediately because Jure had spent a lot of time in the Wallon communist youth and was used to hanging out with neo-Nazis. Love neo-Nazis. They're so nice. <laughs> They're the best people. Love their stuff. They're just terrific. We're kidding, Ian. It's okay. <laughs> don't, get, <laughs> don't get so flustered. <laughs> Shortly after Jure joined the renovated order of the temple, Julian passed away. Or was he and- murdered? I don't know. Okay. I think he just passed away, right, but sure. <laughs> we could we could add that juicy detail. <laughs> I feel like that was like your uh, Michael Scott murder mystery. There's been a murder. <laughs> you never know. Jure saw this as an opportunity to take control of the organization. So he kind of started this campaign to to take it over. Kind of like how Jim tried to pull off uh, taking over uh, Mother Divine's organization out in philly oh that's right yeah yeah like she's like "Uh, um (laughs) yeah get the fuck out of here and that's pretty much what julian's daughter Catherine told jeray and there was a number of members that were on her side and they resisted and forced jeray to leave the renovated order but the timing of this was actually perfect because demambro wanted to partner up with jeray demambro didn't have jeray's education with going to college and with the medical degree and we've already talked about he didn't have that charisma and the people skills to attract more people. And at the same time, joining up would also allow Jure to save face. By joining up with Demambro, Jure could claim that he wasn't forced out of the renovated order of the temple, but instead it was the will of the Ascended Masters that caused him to leave this group willingly to form a new group with Demambro. So together, these two formed the Order of the Solar Temple in 1984. It's a cool name. It's a badass name. It's not a Harry Potter book, but it's still pretty cool. It's People are probably like flipping like through a Harry Potter book. Yeah, right. right. They're probably flipping through like Apple Podcasts. They see this like, ooh, yeah, Harry Potter one. <laughs> and they get our dumbasses talking about texting with cuts on our fingers and, and fake gynecological exams. <laughs> <laughs> Teachings of the Order of the Solar Temple were based on a combination of Rosicrucianism, Templarism, teachings of Aleister Crowley, 
a little Madame Blavatsky and a bunch of new age philosophy. Madame Blavatsky and Aleister Crowley future episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean we brought up Madame Blavatsky last year because she in her theosophical book, uh The Secret Doctrine from back way back from 1888 1885, uh there's some reptilian kind of stuff brought in there so we had to bring her up then. Last week, um, not you said last yeah, year. Last week. You, yeah, oh, sorry. last week. <laughs> last last week. I, I know we've brought her up before. She's literally Madame Blavatsky is the originator of all Western occultism and esoteric thought. She sparked everything. So every everything that any of these type of subjects we talk about, there's one way or another you can link it back to Madame Blavatsky. It's a hell of a statement. Hmm. I mean, and then when we get into the when we do a Nazis and the occult episode, it's going to be a, a lot of it's going to be focused on Madame Blavatsky because Hitler uh, thoroughly enjoyed some of her stuff. Is the Nazis and the occult the only subject from our initial trailer that we haven't touched on yet? Well, we were supposed to do the Cannibal Holocaust movie watch along. I talked about that in, in the, the trailer. trailer. So yeah. those are the two. Are those the only two things that we haven't touched on from the initial trailer? I think so. I guess we're yeah. out of ideas. Show's going to end soon, probably. Re- retirement. Yeah. Ooh. It's been a hell of a 14 months, <laughs> 15 months. <laughs> We've peaked. It happens. So this is quite a mashup of ideas. I mean, that's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it really is. And what we're going to get in here in, into now with a, a, with the theosophical aspect, because they really focused on that. Like they used the 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 Templar stuff with the crosses and a lot of the New Age stuff, but they really, really focused on Madame Lovatsky and the theosophical stuff. So that's kind of what we're going to get into now. One distinctive characteristic of theosophy is its belief in ascended masters. So these are enlightened beings that freed themselves from the cycle of death and rebirth, but who continued to guide humankind. Ascended masters included figures from all religions, such as Abraham, Moses, Solomon, Jesus Christ, the Virgin Mary, Confucius, and Buddha. And there's more, but those are kind of like the heavy hitters. Hmm. What about Muhammad? Uh Maybe. What about Zeus? Sure. Right. I mean, the pro wrestler? <laughs> Hulk, Hogan put an, Hulk Hogan put an end, end to him in 1989. <laughs> in the movie No Holds Barred. These ascended masters were featured prominently in the Order of the Solar Temple. And Theosophy also lent them another important concept, which was the importance of the star Sirius. Now, according to Theosophy and Madame Blavatsky, Sirius was where all human consciousness originated, and the star's main function in the universe was to transmit energy to all the minds of humans to create their sense of self. So what exactly is the origin of this idea or the scientific proof associated with it? Uh, Madame Blavatsky just wrote whatever she wanted back in the 1800s. <laughs> oh, okay. It just went sure. from there. <laughs> Sounds good. You, I mean, you interpret dude, how you want, Dave, but she wrote what she wrote. <laughs> She came up with the the lost con- and the lost continent of Lemuria, Atlantis, everything, mm. all this shit. Almost every single subject that we're ever going to talk about, as far as paranormal or whatever along these lines, it can all go back to Madame Blavatsky in some way or another. Son of a bitch. And that book is super thick and super fucking boring. <laughs> it, was, it was one book. Uh, yeah, it's the Secret Doctrine mm. back from so 1885. You've read it, Ian? 
Uh, I've tried to. I've tried to read some of it. It's very fucking boring. What's the longest book you have ever read, both of you? Finished. I read an 835-page book on the Nazis and the occult. That's the longest I've mm. ever read. And we still haven't done that subject yet. Jesus. Poor guy spent 800-some pages. I have no idea. I'm trying to think Mine, back. I don't remember the exact. It was, I think, 925 was mine. What, what was it? It was the Life and Times of Robert F. Kennedy. Okay. It was the the book itself with like the, the notes in the back was well over a thousand, but the actual book itself, the the meat of it that you read was like mm. nine twenty something. Took me six months to read because I'd put it down and come back to sure, it and put it down. Sure. You know. I seem to recall that Where Eagles Dare the War novel, yeah. the World War II novel was a very long four or five hundred page. I, I really don't remember. That's the only thing that comes to mind. Although there's a new stand adaptation coming out, and I I've never read the stand, and I always wanted to read that, and that's a thousand page book, I believe. So I think the I'm stand? gonna Stephen King, I, the stand. Oh, oh, okay. So I think I'm gonna go back and read that before the new uh, new show comes out. So you're gonna do a thousand pages yeah. before the show. Yeah. So there it is. So there you go. See, Dave had to one up us and pick a thousand page one. <laughs> Quarantine. His answer. His answer wasn't even I've read it. It's oh, I'm going to, so I win this debate. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to throw out, well, I, I read the Bible back to front to cover many, many times. Well, who hasn't? <laughs> okay, sidebar over. Between 1984 and 1990, the Solar Temple served as an umbrella organization for three groups, the Agata Club, the Arcadia Club, and the International Knighthood Organization. Between them, these groups had over 350 members. The Agata Club went into further depth on the group's philosophy with the goal of achieving a higher state of consciousness. Are these guys still in France at this point, or are they in Switzerland? Where are they located at? They are in Switzerland, like right on the border. Okay. Very few people were invited to be a part of this group. The Arcadia Club was reserved for a small number of Agata members who were deemed worthy of receiving more esoteric information that would allow them to move towards a higher level of consciousness. Above the Arcadia group was the International Knighthood Organization, and these members were invited from the Arcadia Club and participated in their own initiation ceremonies. Everybody got a, a different color cape when you advanced through the system. Oh, that's I cool. You started out with a white cape, then you got a red cape, and then when you got to the International Knighthood Organization, you got a black cape. Sounds like karate. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, it costs a lot of money to advance through these. Systems, no, come on! <laughs> I don't believe this. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a bit. This is horse shit. And at this point, the Solar Temple was not a destructive cult, and fo- like followers of the temple were never separated from the rest of the world. The general public was permitted to attend lectures by Jeray, who taught the principles of the cult, and they openly talked about this stuff members openly associated with other people from society. Right up until the mass suicide, members had access to the mainstream media and were aware of all the criticisms that outsiders had about their organization. Which is generally not the case, right? They kind of shut them no, off. I mean, mo- most of the time, most cults shut them off to outside access, right? Yeah. I think we've discussed that with what, pretty much all of them, I thought. Well, and that and that's a thing. That's what a, when we were kind of getting into the beginning of the episode, I said that it's, it's kind of debated on if this is. There's some people that don't really consider them a cult because 
they don't really fit a ton of the criteria for it. But then there's somewhere along the line that it flips into a bunch, a couple murders and a bunch of suicides. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> no happy ending, right? Well, with me, there's always a happy ending. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. So kind of like the end-all, be-all on cults is um, a guy named Dr. Robert J. Lifton. And he came up, he, he wrote a, a book about, about cults. And when he's talking about destructive cults, he set eight characteristics that would define a destructive cult. Can you read these like uh, David Letterman's top ten? Number ten. <laughs> you don't end up living. Number nine. <laughs> you drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Number eight. A monkey decides when you're going to get fucked. <laughs> I know it's flavor aid. I said Kool-Aid. Ian, don't kill me. Damn. <laughs> Come on. You're better than that. So let's just run through these these eight real quick and kind of... Because um, I feel like we know enough about these guys so far, what they're doing here and how their organization set up. Uh, the first one is milieu control. And this is just control of communication within the group environment which would result in a significant degree of isolation from society, which we just said that they didn't have that. They were completely free to talk to the outside world and absorb outside information. So that they already passed the first test. They're not mm-hmm. that one. Right. right. Number two, mystical manipulation. Now they 100% fit into this group. Like it's holograms. The, well, <laughs> well, this is when the, the, when, when there's a claim of divine authority or spiritual advancement that allows the leader to reinterpret events as he or she wishes. And they make prophecies and pronounce things that are going to happen. Literally every cult like ever of all time no. in the history of cults and cultism. Mm-hmm. And the world and right. earth and people. So these guys 100% fit that bill. I mean, when, when Joseph DeMambro, even way back when he was doing the Golden Way before the temple even started, and he said that his kids were born not of a human mother, they were just kind of born out of the universe, he fit this category. I would say so. Yeah. Number three is the demand for purity that everybody is constantly required to strive for perfection. And there's a lot of guilt and shame, confessions, you know, like we would know in like Jonestown, Jim would just like come up with shit that people did wrong, or even the smallest little things were considered like a really bad offense. None of that was happening in this group. That's interesting. It seems pretty benign at this point. So I kind of agree with that. that Maybe it's not actually a cult here. Would you though? Would you though be like trying to strive for a higher level of consciousness? Would that not fall under that that realm? I mean, you could just be a Buddhist and be striving for a higher level of consciousness. But you're you're but you're striving for something better, something more perfect. I don't know. I'm stretching. So we're one for three. (laughs) Uh, Number four, cult of confession. This really expands on the confession aspect of it that there are sins that are you are going to confess to either privately to the leader or in front of the group that didn't happen in this group either dave have you ever been in part of a cult where you had to confess your sins uh, now that you mention it yes i have <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> number five the sacred science where the doctrine of 
the group is considered the ultimate truth beyond all questioning or or anything. The, the leader is the spokesperson for God, and whatever the leader says is it. And this is kind of a gray area with this group because they bring in the ascended masters, which are from all religious aspects, and they don't push this one single idea. So this is really, it's debatable on if they even fit this category. Okay, I could see that. I think they do, though, right? What are you thinking? I don't know, because they never, there, there's never been, at least from I could find, there's never been an account where they say, I came up with this specific, really, really specific belief system, and you have to believe it. Because it's just the greatest hits they took of everything else. Mm. Okay. It's, yeah, it's a lot of Madame Blavatsky stuff that, that's why I'm saying, like, I almost lean towards that this group is this esoteric... But we're also basing it off secret. one book and one guy's standards of what is a destructive cult, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Robert Lifton, I mean, he's like the, he's the guy. He's the expert, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the dude that, that defined a cult. Well, I have some thoughts on Robert Lifton. I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't see eye to eye on many things. <laughs> Number six, loading the language. This is when the group develops jargon in many ways that's just unique to itself, and it's not understandable to outsiders. These guys specifically fit this category because they took from Madame Lovatsky, Aleister Crowley, all these people, and made it confusing as fuck in that nobody would understand what the fuck they were talking about unless you were part of that group and part of those specific three groups underneath the temple. So they fit this 100%. So it kind of prevents outsiders from what infiltration. It makes you feel more important than the rest of the world. Okay, you yeah. have this information that the rest of the world doesn't have. Would this also include speaking in tongues? And if so, Dave, how does that sound? Oh, speaking in tongues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been able to kind of. Well, you gotta you gotta pray a lot, and you want the spirit of the Lord to enter you. And then you just start speaking a language that you're not for shamalama likam shaka hoka maka lika laka laka. It just comes to you. It, it overtakes your your spirit. I think that was pretty powerful. It happens. It's the Lord working through you. <laughs> so what are, we, what are we at two for six? Are we at two for six with these people? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and one's debatable. All right. Number seven doctrine over a person means that the the group's beliefs are more important than the individual person which i think that almost all religions fit that that category in all in all reality sure and then eight dispensing of existence which the group decides who has the right to exist and who doesn't that's when you get to that official very dangerous very definitive point of a destructive cult like very dangerous getting, jesus yeah you're getting to um Shinrikyo, mm-hmm. jonestown all those type of things and right now and where we're at in this story that i think that's what makes these guys so interesting at least to me is that you've got two maybe three off that that list and then somehow this story ends in murder and mass suicide so at this point in the story you shouldn't expect that absolutely not what they really had going for them in the realm of cults, like all, every cult we've talked about, was money, and specifically DeMambro's spiritual claims. He claimed to his followers that he was simultaneously 
a reincarnation of the of a 14th century Templar knight, one of the Egyptian pharaohs, one of Jesus's 12 disciples, and the Roman soldier who pierced Jesus on the cross. So he was all of those things at one time. That's a hell of a fucking resume. <laughs> yeah, it, Jesus. It certainly is. Nice work. So where did their money come from? Uh, you well, you had to pay to go up those the ladder. Oh, very Scientology-ish. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing about this group too. This this group was not for the every average day person like us. This this group was made up of extremely wealthy wealthy people. I mean, one of their top people was a guy from Switzerland who was the owner of one of the top watch companies there. I mean, this guy was making watches that sold for like his high end highest end watches were a million dollars a watch. Mm, no kidding. I mean this guy was a multi multi millionaire. That's what I'm saying. Like these guys are like the closest thing to a real world esoteric secret society of wealthy people that are doing this weird shit behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Demambro he would also play it fast and loose with this with followers too because with the with these spiritual claims about how he could saying that he was a reincarnation of multiple people himself, he would go up to members and be like, you know what? I had this 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 vision, this uh this spiritual awakening. You're Moses now. You are the re- reincarnation of Moses. <laughs> like he would tell it to a follower. <laughs> and then like the next day he would go in and be like, you know what? I was wrong. This guy's Moses. You're whoever. Like I don't know, any other fucking huge uh <laughs> I want to be Zachariah. Who's yeah, that? Sure. Just I don't know. <laughs> Some guy. Yeah. He's there though. I want to be him. It's like a bunch of role yeah. playing. Yeah, I want to be. You know what? Let's bring back Leviticus. Big fan of Leviticus. Love this work. I want him. <laughs> I have all of his albums. <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And I forget the song. I, just, I know the New oh, Testament. Oh, that, that creepy ass song you had to sing. <laughs> I remember the is it the New Testament one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts and Romans and Corinthians, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Thessalonians, <laughs> Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrew, James, Peter, Peter, John, 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 Jude, and Revelation. God damn. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Is that every book of the clap, New clap, Testament? Clap. I believe that's the New Testament. I didn't have my clap uh, sound loaded up here. I would have played it. <laughs> I believe if you had your Bible out, I, it might have lined That's up. Amazing. I might have mispronounced some of those names, but whatever. It's been 30 years since I learned You're that biblical song. Biblical scholar. I, well, I've been called that. That was my nickname in college. <laughs> but that was just a straight-up shoot. They called me, oh, that's Mike. He's a biblical scholar. <laughs> he respects you. Maybe yeah. not in the morning, but right now. Yeah. He respects you and your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so Mambro also claimed that his daughter, Emanuela, was a cosmic child of spiritual importance. What it meant to be a cosmic child was never explained to people within the inner circles of the organization, but Demambro made it clear that Emanuela was to be treated with the utmost reverence. Like, she's a cosmic child, don't fuck with her, don't cross her, was the the attitude. What was that other cult where it was like that, where the little kid had domain over everyone? Was it, was it uh, Elrond on the boat? Oh yeah, he had the um, fuck. What were they called? It was the group of the like thir- twelve to thirteen year old girls. Yeah, right. God damn it, I can't remember what they were called. And they were the ones like ro- running around, like controlling everybody, right? Like spitting in their faces and stuff. Yeah, like they were super special. Hmm. All right. they, they would like mimic his tone of voice and just grill people mm-hmm. in the same tone. Good thing. Um, he, good thing he got his cock audited. 
audit your cock. Dave, do, yeah, Dave, do the do uh, do John Travolta saying that? Well, no, it was the New, it was the New York kids yelling oh, at his yeah. window. Yeah, like he was hiding because he was Queens getting picked on. They were throwing yeah. shit at him and fucking with him. I don't even remember what he that. Said, hey, why don't you come audit my cock? <laughs> hey, Elron, you audit my cock? <laughs> That's about it. That guy got bullied into his apartment. Deservedly so. He had that fucking uh, clown hair. Yeah. We posted that photo on yeah, the Instagram yeah. back in the day. Fucking Bozo the Clown. Sans makeup. Yeah, that might be my one of my favorite things from the Scientology story is picturing this very wealthy man hiding in a new, in a queen's apartment. Mm-hmm. Getting fucked with by these little kids. Yeah, great. <laughs> I love it. Couldn't even leave, couldn't leave for months because they just waited outside to fuck with him every day. <laughs> so we have DeMambro's, all his spiritual claims. Luke Jaray also claimed to have supernatural healing abilities. One former member reported that when he first met Luke Jaray, he was sick. He like, he like had a cold or, or, or the flu or whatever. But Jaray told him, like, hey, you showed up just in time because you have cancer, and I just immediately healed you. <laughs> Isn't great. that convenient? Absolutely. <laughs> Heal. <laughs> I always wonder why these why these healers why the hospitals never hire them. Isn't that weird? You would think they'd be the they'd just be on staff at yeah. the hospital and they wouldn't have to pay all these doctors. They just chemo. The, nope. Yeah, got you healed necessary. right here. Hmm. It's almost like it's not real. It's weird. God damn, I mean, Dave, that's a statement. We wouldn't have, uh, we shouldn't have a COVID issue, right? By that logic. Absolutely not. Well, I believe some of those preachers are coming out and saying that they can heal it, right? I saw the one guy was spitting on it. He was blowing on COVID 19 the other day. <laughs> He's just spitting oh, all over the, the idiot parishioners in the front row. Giving to, them COVID. Giving them COVID. As he's healing yeah. and blowing away the COVID. Oh, these people. Human society. <laughs> like, I'm fine. All these people want to go to church, but then we're locking you motherfuckers in so you can't go anywhere else. Like, you're free to go yeah, there. Yes, can stay there. Yeah, you're not coming to the grocery store with the rest of us, idiot. Goddamn, pal. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Imbeciles. <laughs> so, getting into the money, we already kind of alluded to it. DeMambro had members pay large amounts to ascend through those three levels of the organization. And we kind of already talked about it with that Swiss watchmaker. The cult generally focused on recruiting wealthy people around the world who were able to afford these large sums of money. A lot of these members, um, specifically some of the women, have this vibe of I'm very wealthy and I'm bored kind of thing happening. That makes sense. Just looking for something more, I guess. Yeah. It's very much the, in the same vein as Scientology. Yeah, there's some of the, the some of the women members that were key to some things that we're going to get into in part two were these wives of very wealthy businessmen that it just really seems like rich people are bored and have nothing else better to do kind of thing. I always picture them like the movie Eyes Wide Shut with just big orgies and masks on <laughs> and stuff. That's literally what this group is. <laughs> I mean, All right, there you go. <laughs> Dave just summed it up. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> One thing they did with the large amounts of money that they gained was they set up a farm in Quebec to be an ark of refuge in which survivors of the apocalypse could survive because DeMambro was taking from his previous run-ins with these religious movements 
he adapted this whole end of the world thing. And he specifically started pointing towards 1995 was kind of when it was going to probably kick off. Oh, sure. This also served as a second location in, in addition to their headquarters in France. By 1989, membership in all these subgroups grew until it peaked at 442 members. But this is the point in the story where it takes a turn and starts turning into a destructive cult. A.K.A. the good parts. <laughs> oh, boy. It's kind of small, right? 400 people? Compared to some of these we could groups take we've looked at. The Necronomicult could take them. Sure. It's small, but, I mean, when you get into... Like, Heaven's Gate's a huge one. I mean, we covered them way back in the day, and I think it was, like, episode 8 or something. I would love I, w- I would love to take another crack at Heaven's Gate mm. somewhere in the next couple years. But, like, Heaven's Gate, they had, like, 30-some members commit suicide altogether, if that. Off the top of my, I mean, they they weren't very big, but they're one of the they're one of the ones that stands out in your mind because mm-hmm. they commit mass suicide. And this group is responsible for seventy four with a mass suicide and murder. So mm. it does. It's it's weird how these guys fly under the radar so much. And yeah, I was not familiar with this group at all. Yeah. In the nineteen nineties, many members began to question Demambro's authority when they started to realize that he was asking followers to live this very humble lifestyle while he maintained this really lavish, upscale lifestyle. Well, that never happens in cults, so that's kind of strange. (laughs) (laughs) As DeMambro wanted to gain more money, he started to buy, flip, and sell the organization's properties in really frequent and bizarre ways, like just really sporadically. And all of this buying and selling caught the attention of law enforcement to suspect, and even to this day, that DeMambro was involved in money laundering because um, there was a, a judge's ruling on some things that had to do with this group where it was that judge's opinion that the Solar Temple was not a cult, that they were like this financial scam money laundering organization. But he healed people of cancer. That's the thing. It's it's a weird <laughs> fucking story, man, that everybody has their own opinion on this one yeah. and, and what exactly they are. Well, he's buying, flipping, and selling houses. I saw him on, uh, he was on an HGTV show, Extreme Makeover Cult Edition. <laughs> it was a pretty good show. Cult Edition. I'd watch that. <laughs> of course you I'd would. I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Building communal housing. Regarding this weird money stuff, DeMambro justified his actions to followers by claiming that he was inspired by the Knights Templar, who, among other things that they're known for, they were known for establishing the first bank. So... Is that right? He explained. Huh. Yeah. And I didn't so know explained, yeah, I didn't know that till I read these notes. And he so he explained that the knights often engaged in strange financial practices to protect their wealth, and therefore he was just simply following an ancient tradition. Also in the nineteen nineties, DeMambro began to expand his control. He insisted on having control over who the senior members married, when they had children, and what their children's names were. DeMambro claimed to have magical sexual abilities and manipulated female cult members into having sex with him. So he's banging everybody whenever he wants. Who was running his fuck schedule, I wonder. It's all he comes down to the fuck schedule. Yeah. I mean, why else start a cult? True. Why else do anything? In college, they called me Jim Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Did they? Did they? Yeah. (laughs) So who's more powerful? Is this guy more powerful than uh, the the front end guy? 
Luke? Luke Jure? I think so. Seems I, like I it. mean, I don't, I don't know for sure because, like I said, like, like to piece together this outline, I had to go to like, like seven or eight different websites, and there's not a book out there that's mm-hmm. like really definitive about these guys. But from from what I read and what I could piece together, it seems like yeah, Demambro is Demambro's the guy. He just doesn't have the charisma like Jure did. And so he needs that front about, end guy, but he's pulling the strings on him. Right. And like, as far as getting these senior members, like telling them who they could marry and stuff, like he would put together like these cosmic relationships. Like he would be like, you're the reincarnation of, uh, I don't know. What's a, like a really big female historical figure. Um, Mother Teresa. <laughs> sure. Mother Teresa. So he would say, you know, you're the reincarnation of Mother Teresa in, uh, this guy over here is the reincarnation of who? Give me somebody else. Lemmy from Motorhead. <laughs> there you go. All right, Lemmy from Motorhead. So now Dave's in. If you told no, Dave that, he's joining your cult. <laughs> so he des- he would decide. He'd say, so you're actually a Lemmy from Motorhead. You're actually Mother Teresa. You guys would make a perfect couple and make Oh, yeah, for sure. It would be a perfect couple. The nun of, of spades. Nun of spades. <laughs> <laughs> I so love you guys head. need to get together and and make kids. That, that's kind of what he was doing. It's like an E Harmony guy way back when. See that? Yeah, Christian hmm, Mingle. Was was <laughs> before Christian Mingle, cult Mingle. How about Farmers Only? Have you guys seen that one? FarmersOnly.com. You don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> Those commercials are so it's bad. Just the worst. There's a there's a dating site for everybody, man. Not yet one for NASCAR fans. I might have to start that. We for, just you just talked about it for us now. Well, no, they're not all farmers, Dave. <laughs> See, that's where you're wrong. Don't put us in that hole. That's what she said. <laughs> in 1991, many of the French members decided to abandon their possessions and move to the Solar Temple second location in Canada. This mass relocation led to an investigation by the president of the Association for the Defense of Family and Individuals. What's that? Like a welfare child child family welfare organization? Yeah, it's it it seems like they just encompass kind of all that like potential cult things. Okay. Uh children stuff, all all kind of any kind of family issues. In that same year, the president of the ADFI wrote a letter to InfoCult, which is an organization known for providing support for people and their families who have fallen victims to cults. In this letter, he expressed concerns that the Order of the Solar Temple was using brainwashing to manipulate its members. So what do you think makes religion brainwashing different from cult brainwashing? It's a fine line, right? I feel like I keep saying it, but it's a fine line with this group because religion... Like the Catholic Church, you're able to go out into the world and you hold a job, you interact with other members of society that don't believe what you believe. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just it, the amount of control over your actual personal private life. But they still didn't have it. Even even at this moment, these guys still didn't fully have that. I'm not answering between uh, the solar temple and church i'm saying in general between a cult and religion a cult wants more control over all aspects of your life whereas religion wants to be a part of all aspects but not have control over it i think that's what he's saying this cult doesn't really fit that mold they want complete control at this point 
like in my opinion, when you start saying you as the individual are a reincarnation of certain individuals like Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff, then you're you're get you're definitely hitting cult territory. Yeah. But but these guys even even doing that, they're still walking a fine line between actually being a cult and being this esoteric society that's still kind of fitting the up guidelines to, of a standard religion up to this point yes <clears throat> i agree but so today well this this uh episode comes about it's easter sunday there's a lot of kooky churches around the country that are saying you know you're protected from covid19 so we're gonna have church services why don't you come on in and get in a room with a bunch of people and they can pass all their germs to you <laughs> i would submit to you that that's ex- that's uh, exactly the same kind of brainwashing you're taking your life in your hand you know listening to your pastor uh, yeah. because he's telling you you should come to church when clearly you should not you should be at home yeah yeah i mean it it's such a it's such a um i mean your your brain it's such a fi- it's like it, it's it's weird with cults it's such a fine line that religion and cults walk and then there's just there's certain points where it takes this huge some are more drastic than others i guess like you know so there's different degrees, just like everything, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, these guys are really walking that fine line where they're just kind of, like, tiptoeing over it every once in a while. And then you have things like Scientology that are, you know, they, they step way over the yeah. way over the line. Yeah. In 1993, Luke Jarrett and two Solar Temple members were arrested in Canada for attempting to illegally purchase three silenced firearms. Jure's arrest was closely followed by the mainstream media, which brought the entire organization under the microscope. And purchasing illegal firearms was evidence that the Solar Temple was not only involved in money laundering, but they were also involved in arms dealing. So now you're getting back into the realm of what is this exactly? <laughs> well, it's starting to sound like a front for a criminal enterprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. If you will. It, these guys are dabbling in in a in a mixture of a lot of different things. They're dabbling in a little bit of Scientology, a little bit of Umshin Rikyo with the gun stuff. Yeah, it's a composite um, of all these different people. Yeah, and and at the same time, somehow they're still walking a line where they could still arguably be be considered just a a new age mm-hmm. religious right. movement. Can I also say that my advice would have been instead of trying to buy silencers to just put dildos on the end of your guns like Robert Picton did? Problem solved. That's it. Man, supposedly he <laughs> found that out. <laughs> Dildo silencers. It's the new. Uh, it's what you got to do. <laughs> Sweeping the country. With criminal charges brought against the their leaders, member members began to re- be rejected by the surrounding community. I mean, this was this was big news at this point. And when this happened, Luke Jure was not allowed to go out and, and lecture anymore. I mean, there were lots of places around Europe that banned him outright. They're like, yeah, you fucking idiot. You're running like this criminal thing where you're buying illegal guns and money laundering. Like, sure. You're not speaking about your, your holistic ideas anymore. So they, they had a lot of scrutiny against them for from just you know everyday society and it was it was starting to crumble because now it's like well if we don't have luke jure doing it then demambro is not gonna fill fill that role because he can't talk to fucking people i mean Mm -hmm. he's not a people person so it's starting to crumble at this point and and for many the pressure was too much and they left the solar temple in increasing numbers and soon they dropped to over 400 members down to approximately 100 members 
It's an incredible shrinking cult. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen to these guys? Members were also starting to be bothered by how Demambro and Jeray were starting to argue with one another on who was actually in control of the cult. It became less organized and it made it less appealing to even the most loyal members. And that's where Tony Dutois, Dutois? and his wife's I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. And his wife Suzanne come back into the story. That's not as fun, Suzanne Dutois. No, Dutois? I want Tony Dutois. Dutois? I've also I heard actually it want say, I want Pierre Dutois. Dutois? Pierre Dutois. <laughs> I've actually seen her name as Nikki Dutois as well, but mm, Suzanne seemed to be the yeah. Suzanne was the name I saw the most, so that's the one I went with. But sure. it it could possibly be Nikki Dutois. Nikki Dutois. Well. I'm not. Sure. I like that better, but Dutois. That's a great name. I love it. Mike Dutois. I'll change my name. It's not right bad. Now. Change my name right now to Dutois. <laughs> we talked about Tony back in the beginning of the episode. Tony Dutois was the guy. The hologram guy. Yeah. Right. He was responsible for the light shows, the lasers, all that shit. So with these laser ceremonies and stuff, or these ceremonies with the lasers and the holograms, this was was huge for them because it would be presented extremely ritualistic. Everybody was wearing their robes, their capes. There's Templar crosses everywhere. There's all this stuff. And then these, these like laser shows would go off and, these projections or holograms of like Jesus and all these different figures and all this stuff. But the other thing that they were doing on top of, on top of that, cause you would, you could say people, you'd be like, Oh, well that's, that's really stupid. Like how the fuck's anybody falling for that? They would use hallucinogens oh. in these, in these ceremonies. So it would just trip people out big time. And I mean, you would fully believe that you're having this, spiritual experience and tony dutois was running these and he was in on the secret yeah the hallucinogens work or they're they're they're, they're helpful with the sort of thing i would expect uh yeah you slip me some acid throw on a uh a laser show with jesus being projected (laughs) there's uh something yeah i'm gonna believe i'm believing what you're putting down at that point (laughs) oh boy so when dutois left the call this was a huge blow to them i mean that, like I said, this was a secret between Demambro, Jeray, and Dutois. And now to keep that shit going, I mean, that was a huge part of their ceremonies with with all this stuff. And to keep that going, Demambro was going to have to let somebody else in on the secret to keep it, to keep these mm. things going. Shortly after Tony Dutois left on September 30th, 1994, Demambro declared that Tony Dutois his wife, and his wife Suzanne were enemies of the church and that their newborn son, Christopher Emmanuel, was the Antichrist. Well, hail Satan. Jesus. <laughs> All right. I'm on uh, Christopher Emmanuel's side, then. Well, according to Demambro, this was simply because Emmanuel was named similar to Demambro's daughter's name, Emanuela. Demambro said that the similarity indicated that the two children were tied to one another as rivals, and he was furious that the Dutois didn't consult him when naming their baby, and even more furious that they chose that specific name. Well, it's a little copycatish, I guess. I'm starting to think this DeMambo's guy is a little petty. <laughs> DeMambro further insisted that since Emanuela, his daughter, was the cosmic child, that meant that Emmanuel 
had to be the Antichrist. And since Demambra was the reincarnation of the Roman soldier who pierced Jesus on the cross, he had no choice but to atone for his sin by killing the Antichrist. The logic's there. You can't deny it. (laughs) Now... That's one way to look at it. <laughs> this is where we my imp- blood starts to get like really hot with this story. It's where you Mike gets fired this up. A couple di- you can unpack this this a couple different ways with this. I'm interested to hear what you have to say here, Ian. <laughs> on on face value, you could say to Tony Dutois, you knew goddamn well how much that name meant as a cosmic child's name. Name your fucking kid something else other than Emmanuel. Why piss off this guy after you already left and and fuel this this shit by naming the kid Emmanuel? Sure. Okay. That's that's an argument. There's also the argument that Demambro fully believed this this line of logic here too. That what I just read is real to him. We don't know. Okay. It might be. Sure. No, that's that's a thought. What I think is more possible in this in this scenario is that he lost his guy that was running the light shows in the projection shows while everybody's dropping acid. He wasn't going to let this guy get away with spilling the secret on everything. So he had to convince people that there was a reason that the Dutois had to die. Yeah, that, that this is just kind of a cover story, I guess. I, that's what I think. Yeah, that this that is sense. this is all a reason. This is just explaining away a a reason that the Dutois had to had to go. I think I would agree with that as well. I'll buy that. I don't want to buy that, but I that's what it is. <laughs> he should have just named his dog Emmanuel. And you know. I think that Joe Demambro would have come up with any reason to explain away why the Dutois had to die. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. No matter what, yeah, he would have come with up you. with a reason. Sure. I mean, the guy and, birthed the Antichrist. I mean, what are you going to do? Can't let him live. It's on him. I mean, it's not his fault. <laughs> in October 1994, the Dutois, along with their three-month-old son, were invited to attend a dinner at a solar temple location in Morin Heights, Quebec. Now, they had these, um, we'll get into it on part two, but they had like these multiple kind of uh, these houses I don't know you. I don't think you would consider them hotels, but kind of like these bed and breakfast almost kind of things. And they were all paid for by that Swiss mm. watchmaker that we talked about. They were invited there by a couple named the Genois, and they had stayed friendly with them since they left the cult. The Dutois had. Yes, the du- yeah, right. the Dutois stayed friendly with the Genois, and um, and that was that was common. That was that, like we said before. They didn't cut off society, so it wasn't um, it wasn't strange for the Dutois to hear from from the the Genwad couple and be invited here. But instead, when they showed up, they were met with two high ranking members, Joel Eggard and Dominique Bellaton. When they walked into this 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 house or this bed and breakfast, however you want to describe it. They walked in to these two high-ranking members, and these two already had had the knives out, and they were ready to go. Tony Dutois was stabbed in the back 50 times. His wife was stabbed four times in the throat, eight times in the back, and one time in each breast. And then the baby, Emmanuel, was stabbed six times with a wooden stake, then wrapped in a bag with this bag effectively marking the baby as the Antichrist, and a traitor to the Solar Temple. Holy shit. 
That's what I'm saying. We just took it, like it just takes this huge turn out Immediate of Immediate escalation, yeah. Mm. Afterwards, Eggert and Bellaton stole the Dutois car and drove to Montreal, where they hopped on a plane to Switzerland and they left the Genoids to clean it up. The Genoids stuffed the Dutois in a closet towards the back of the house and then set off a firebomb, burning down the house, burning the bodies of the Dutois beyond recognition and effectively burning themselves, killing themselves, for the solar temple. And this would kick off a spree of murders and suicides that would go on for the next three years. So why did they burn themselves down in the house? You would assume that they were instructed by Demambro to do it. Mm. And it was, rit- it was ritualistic. They had, they had solar temple necklaces on that had, that had a, um, an ST pendant. Mm. That was just like melted straight into their chest. And it was how it was described is that it was on purpose. It was the way that the pendants were found, like melted into their chests was on purpose that investigators would see it. Remember that line we discussed earlier? Yeah, we crossed that into cult. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) We've officially crossed into cult. And also, Mike, I'd like to point out, we'll go back to an earlier conversation that Ian says closet. That's one of the closet. that's one of the Pittsburgh. Well, words. so does M and M, right? Closet. I'm cleaning out my closet. C L A W S E T. I said, I'm sorry, Mama. <laughs> I never How meant to it? hurt you. Closet. Closet. You, closet. And you say closet. How do you, wait? Say it again. Closet. 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 You say closet. We say closet. Like mm. you say it like it's spelled C L A W S E T. Closet. Yeah. And instead of closet, which I actually wouldn't have noticed that. He doesn't say it as noticeable. Well, I'm just pointing out. Yeah. I'm, I know, giving, I appreciate you, I'm it. giving you the example you now asked we're gonna for start earlier. <laughs> picking out everything Ian says. He's going to start stop talking. Like, fuck the, you guys. The, you know what? The the one Pittsburgh thing that I that I pride myself that I never got is uh, is saying wash, but the Pittsburgh way is saying wash. Never got that. Yeah, W-O-R. I'm glad I didn't get that. Gotta go wash your clothes. Southern Ohio, too. My grandmother used to say wash. Wash. What about yins? Do you say yins? Yeah, like yins. I say yins, (laughs) but I say it knowing it's like a joke. Like, yins better get over here. (laughs) And I say over yonder. Yins comes out of me when I get super pissy when uh, like kids are fucking around and, and being bad. I'm like, y- y- Yins got to get over here. Yeah, because that's so intimidating, Ian. <laughs> like, listen, they're like, listen to this motherfucker. He's trying to be a badass. He's making up words. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, why don't you wash my ass? Get out of here. <laughs> or like, if I say, yeah, I mean, if I if people want to go do something, like Yins want to go. Uh... No, I say y'all sometimes. You're joking, though. Yeah, but text-wise, I like y'all. Eh. When my left index finger's working, of course. Of course. I'm currently disabled from text I'm on the IR. There's been many of times when uh, when I have children that I'm angry with or <laughs> frustrated <laughs> with, and I, and I say, Yin's got to chill out or something along those lines. <laughs> Yin's got to chill out. <laughs> They're like, the fuck you just say? <laughs> Demambro, like we talked about earlier, that Demambro initially taught his followers that an apocalypse was drawing near. Like we said, it was like 1995-ish was when it was going to go down, and they needed to be prepared to survive for for the end of days. But this narrative wasn't working anymore. There, 
there wasn't enough to keep members committed to him. There was he was fighting with Jeray. They had the gun charges. There was this weird money laundering shit. And then people were there were a lot of people also getting sick of him saying stuff like, "Hey, you're Lemmy from Motorhead, and you're Mother <laughs> Teresa." You guys I love that we made that a thing. Make, <laughs> you guys got to bang and make the cosmic <laughs> child. Like that's not it, people were getting sick of it. For the record, a hundred percent, Dave would join a Lemmy Motorhead cult. I was a big Lemmy fan. Uh, who isn't? He's fucking awesome. I would join a cult. Did you ever see Lemmy in concert? No, I did not. Awesome. I did not. It's good stuff. I'm trying to think because he was at a few WrestleManias because he did Triple H's theme song. Mm-hmm. And he was at a few WrestleManias, but none that I was at. Cool to, like, fucking play him dude, the man. Ring. Yeah. I'd love to. You saw, where'd Triple you see him H's songs. He did, all, he did all of Well, he didn't do the My Time one. That was the DX song. But he did King of Kings but, like, and all the, the Game all and the Evolution. Game yeah, all the badass ones. Yeah. Where'd you see him, Dave? I Small? I believe but the Agora opening for Slayer, like back in the early nineties, that'd be sweet. early nineties, late eighties, yeah, early nineties. Awesome. Oh yeah. So at this point in the story, it's almost nineteen ninety five, and like we said, this is when the world was destined to come to an end. So these guys always and, give these specific dates, and you have to end up amending. And they're yeah. like, um, "But wait, it's going to be five years <laughs> later because I misread the tea leaves." Uh, unless you're like old. Uh, David Berg out at Children of God. I mean, he kept figuring out a way to push it back and mm-hmm. push it back until he just kind of dissolved that whole idea. But these guys were uh, not willing to push it back. They and they were unwilling to die in the apocalypse along with the rest of mankind. So Demambro came up with an idea. According to the Solar Temple, all human consciousness originated from energy projected from the dog star Sirius, like we talked about. And that's the same star where all ascended masters lived, and they observed humankind from afar. Oh, well, everyone knows that. Of course. course. The ascended masters, according to the solar temple, did not have bodies. Bodies were unnecessary when your true self existed on Sirius. So according to Demambro, the only way to live on Sirius alongside the ascended masters was through ritualistic suicide. And that's where we will pick up on part two. Oh. Hot damn for a teaser. Interesting. It's a hell of a teaser, Ian. That might be your best one yet. It's pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Who wore it better? Killing yourself to ascend the Sirius or putting your Nike strapping your Nikes on at Heaven's Gate and trying to catch a ride on the Hillbop Comet? Ooh. Which is better? <laughs> uh I'm I'm gonna confidently say the the order of the solar temple okay did it better well i mean what standards are we using here we're gonna find out next uh, week i, mean, I want to use those that. nikes and i want to <laughs> do that the old hail bob purple shroud yeah hail bob yeah but i don't know the full story see Jeez. i mean so maybe ask this question in one week dave yeah go ahead ian sorry i mean the order of the solar temple based everything off madame blavatsky which is pretty cool Heaven's Gate bought the Nikes because they were on sale at a payless <laughs> and then uh it's the best <laughs> And then they got, and then they caught word of uh, the Hailbop thing off of Coast to Coast with Art Bell, yeah, and then like, Art had to apologize awesome. a shit right. ton afterwards. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, Hailbop, that's the ticket. It, yeah, it also upsets me that Art Bell had to apologize. Like, come uh, on, yeah, he got grilled for that hard. Yeah. He's just doing a show. Yeah, it's not his fault. God damn! If people smoke themselves from listening to our show, that, that's your problem. It's not my problem. Yeah. Right? I would, uh, I would tend to agree with that statement. Yeah. Talent like Art it shouldn't is. have had to apologize for that. Art was putting on an entertaining show. 
All right, Ian, you got any other thoughts on uh, part one of the Solar Temple? It was very refreshing to do a cult again. We haven't done one forever, and it's especially refreshing to be able to to read up on some of uh, Madame Blavatsky's theosophical ideas and stuff like that. It's uh, and we're and like I, we said, we're I, gonna I cover liked, her. I like, yeah, and I I really like Madame Blavatsky. Unfortunately, uh, one of her root races, the Aryans, were taken way out of context by a. By a certain dictator in history, Damn, <laughs> and you're teasing some big up, things. Yeah, went way off the fucking rails. Nine, but, nine, uh, nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Madame. I like Madame Blavatsky's stuff. It's it's hmm. really interesting. Looking it's forward cool to that. Read. Dave, you got any final yeah. thoughts on? Ah, uh, uh, cults are always fun. Looking forward to see what happens next week. Cults are my favorite subject. I, mean, I think to know, cover dead dead stab babies. Not that fun. Not but that generally cults are I tried to stay silent on that because I don't want to get all fired up. So we got some Patreon shout-outs, patreon.com slash Necronomapod if you're interested. Thank you very much to Chris Basinger, Samantha Wharton, Cecily Gomez, Vince Case, Brandon Williams, Stephen Decker, G. Meadows, Alex Perez, Caitlin, Jason Davidson, Lindsay Dunn, Shannon and Ashley, Fortenberry, Justin Simmons, Madison Perry, Caleb McCaffrey, Mason Evans, Nextra Stordinaire, Jennifer Wadman, Emily Hale, Taylor Van Dortenston, Blythe Spears, Apeshit, Ashley Parrott, Charles Villy, Rindy, Aussie Sarah Ferg, and Jordan Richards. Thank you very much. We appreciate your guys' support. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon or a patron, we are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got for us? For iTunes, I have one for Steph Ridgeway, J Classby ninety six, SS Beam, and one for Freddy's Crew. Thank you guys for the reviews. It is very much appreciated. Helps us out a ton. Oh yeah, thank you, Dave on the socials from Twitter Adam Lash, from Instagram Al Fox Taco loves Lola. Ooh, Taco loves Dave too, and Dave loves tacos. <laughs> Larissa Ariel Love and Cecily Gomez. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. We are uh, on the socials at Necronomapod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Are we still doing YouTube? Are we still putting up there, even though people shit on yeah, us? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going back. We had that hiccup for John Bonet. We still get some people. They're looking for commenting. part four, yeah. Uh, you got to. Expand your horizons. YouTube is uh, YouTube's a bullshit format. <laughs> and also, it's just there. where all like, the <laughs> shitty people leave comments. Like, if you want to see negativity, go to YouTube comments. And sometimes paragraph after paragraph of comment. Good Lord. Oh, man. You know what, though? Every once in a while, I start reading them, and I'm like, yeah, I can't even read any more of this. But sometimes people have some good input. Every once in a while, there's a, there's some good ones on YouTube. Mm. But, well, so there we're at. We're at. YouTube? Aside from the, the like that, well, like one or two people, someone recently commented on YouTube that had some good input. Uh, but other than that, it's a bullshit format, <laughs> and you should probably listen to podcasts other places. I would imagine it would be easier to listen to other uh, formats. Yes. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed part one of Solar Temple. We'll be back next week. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>